0: Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis. This week, we are diving deep into Judas and the Black Messiah, the big studio debut by director Shaka King. Let this be your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen it, I recommend checking out an episode of Buffs and Nerfs. It's always a good hang. The guys are charming. And uh, when you get caught up, check this one out. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. Okay, guys, here today to talk about Shaka King's studio debut, which is produced by the ever talented Ryan Kugler, Judas and the Black Messiah, are Mind Refinder creatives John Neal. What's up? And Coburn Blair. How's it going? It's going good. I was really happy to kind of finally watch this. I mean, this has been one of the most anticipated films in Warner's release schedule, which of course has been converted uh, to dual online release via HBO Max, or as uh, Christopher Nolan calls it, the worst streaming service that used to be the best uh, studio on the planet. <laughs> A couple questions I want to ask to kind of frame this, because when I put it together, the write-up, I believe it was Coburn who is kind of like, Is this even a biopic? So what is this? Is this a biopic? Like, how are we describing this? I think it's a historical fiction to
1: somewhat um, of a degree. I wouldn't call it a biopic because I don't think anyone really shines through. It's not really about any of the characters necessarily. It's kind of about, you know, the whole thing that happened. But it doesn't focus in on enough of Fred Hampton for me to call it a Fred Hampton biopic and then for Bill's character, Lakeith Stanfield's character, I don't think it, it really gets in um enough of his a uh, background to kind of be a true biopic, in my in my mind.
2: I tend to agree with that. I feel like the film for the most part plays with a lot of themes and there's there's multiple themes in this. Betrayal, um, you know, you can keep going with, with more of them, but I tend to agree that it's sort of not solely focused on sort of one person in that sense, I guess. Like when I think of a biopic, I think of something that's very much about one individual throughout. And this is kind of about two, two people in particular.
0: Yeah. At first when I saw Coburn's Noah I'm like, fuck you, Coburn. It's a biopic. <laughs> but then I just was like, you know what? I believe you're correct because, I mean, also the film requires the duality of both of them. You know what I mean? Like, their characters kind of juxtaposing one another. And I I think that is what really drives, you know, kind of drives the movie. And it's less about... Because, I mean, the way it's kind of... I mean, especially when when you enter the film, it feels like it's going to be really surrounding Bill O'Neill, but it ends up, you know, kind of looking at the whole situation and also, you know, kind of looking at the two different lives of these men and, like, how, you know... You know, and as you said, like themes of betrayal and how that works into the whole story and what it is, you know, obviously reflected in the name. Another question I wanted to ask was, you know, what was your knowledge of the story before you saw the film? Go ahead, Uh, Coburn, fire away. Yeah, for
1: me, um, I was aware of the whole story, uh, Fred Hampton's life. You know, obviously, he's a huge figure, very instrumental in the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Really instrumental in the whole movement, you know, obviously immortalized with that Jay-Z line um, on uh, "Wash the Throne. So, yeah, I was really familiar with this whole thing. There's uh, documentaries that I've seen that have, you know, kind of gone over the same elements here. I thought it was interesting that they kind of chose to highlight the Judas kind of aspect of it, Uh, William O'Neill, like Bill, because I think that is an interesting way to do it as opposed to kind of giving us a a Fred Hampton biopicture,
2: which I think I would have probably preferred. I didn't know a great deal about it. Obviously, um, knowing just general knowledge about the Black Panthers and stuff like that, um, most of that coming through media and pop culture through other films. But as far as like the year and in like the context that the film takes place in, I'm very, very sort of aware of... Everything that's going on that year, um, sort of, you know, what the challenges are in at least American society, the contrast between this, you know, oppression that's happening and at the same time, they're sending men to the moon in, in late 1968. But this was kind of sort of my first insight, at least into the inner workings of the Black Panther Party, at least in, in any kind of pop culture sense, film sense. So, you know, very eye opening for me.
0: I'm super interested in this period of time from a historical standpoint, especially like revolutionary politics and stuff like that. So I've like read a bunch of stuff on the Black Panthers and like um, the Fred Hampton thing. And especially um, in looking, especially looking at it through the whole idea of like COINTELPRO and the FBI in the 60s and 70s. So, you know, I was really interested in how much they were going to stick to the story and like how much they were going to you know what liberties they were going to take with it i mean it didn't deviate wildly um they super compress it for time there's things that are kind of omitted you know i guess i only worry with kind of films like this is that like you know you get some people who are like oh i know all about that situation because uh i saw the movie and i'm like yeah yeah you know so that's like i feel with some like sometimes in these like Historical movies or biopics or whatever, you know, like there's the risk of just it becoming a pop culture thing rather than like actually understanding some of the things behind it because it's fucking super relevant today. But uh, yeah, I knew a bunch going in. I was super excited for this, especially when I saw who was going to be in it because like the casting seemed perfect. So let's get into it. You know, what was our initial thoughts? Why don't you start off, Coburn? So I think
1: it is a very well made film. I enjoyed Daniel Kaluuya's performance. I thought he really brought a lot of light and energy to Fred Hampton. There was a great mix of actors in it, managed to handle the action, and it was
2: a really compelling film for especially
1: its runtime. So I thought it it was a really well-made film.
2: Yeah, I was actually kind of... The first thing I looked at for this was the runtime as well, and I was actually kind of surprised that it was this short. I expected something like this could be easily an epic if if they really wanted to do it that way but like my initial reaction to the film was just i thought it was an incredible uh performance by daniel kalua and um i'm unfamiliar with lakeith stanfield's work but i will be checking him out because i think if 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 daniel kalua wasn't in this movie i think we'd be talking about lakeith stanfield right now being sort of the more prominent character just because his performance was also fantastic but yeah, like I I thought it was great. I, I was really into the story. Uh, I I love how they had some other sort of people that I I knew like Marty like Marty Sheen's in it. I actually didn't even know that when I when I first uh, was introduced to this and started watching it. Yeah, like it- it's just I just thought it was a really really good good flick. I was really into it.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really intense. I I just think that both of these actors bring it. And I mean, we're gonna get into the performances next, and I, I just their ability to play off each other and um, kind of express, like on one side you have you know Fred Hampton, who is his life is very much is rooted in the in the struggle, and you know being a Black Panther and you know bettering society, and you know we kind of see him establish the Rainbow Coalition, we see him go through this things, and there is a self assuredness. In, his, in the way he's portrayed, but there's also kind of an impending doom understanding that they he will not live long. Whereas, you know, Lakeith Stanfield and, you know, Bill O'Neill kind of balance that by having a person who's really kind of betraying him and who works to get into and earn his trust for selfish reasons for, you know, like not want, from wanting to stay out of jail and essentially exchanging his freedom for you know for Hampton's life and I I just thought it was very intense I thought the supporting cast was absolutely fucking fantastic and this for me was other than Dune the most anticipated film coming into it as soon as I saw the trailers I'm like this is fucking crazy Um, I thought this was a really good introduction to Shaka King which we're also gonna discuss and you know Ryan Coogler I think what was interesting with it is that he very much you know, see, I, I feel like there is a mirroring of opportunity in what Ryan Coogler with Fruitvale Station and how he did that and, like, use that as, you know, to get his sea legs and then, you know, has, has gone on to this great career. And I believe when Ryan Coogler is done, he's going to go down as one of the greats, um, especially of this generation. So it was just really great to, to kind of see this whole thing come together. It was gritty. At times it was tender and it was... I mean, at the end of the day, it was really sad, too. Like, when, when Hampton, uh, spoiler alert, Hampton dies, like, when Hampton dies at the end, it is a very, just the way they do it is, is, is very stark and intense. And when you hear the cops and what they're saying afterwards, you're just like, you, you, you don't just see the injustice, you feel it. And I thought what, what was done with it was, was really great. So, I mean, we've been talking about the performances first, so, like, let's get right into it. Like, oh, you know, although Fred Hampton's assassination at the hands of the FBI and the Chicago PD is at the center of the story, you know, we see half of this story through Bill O'Neill's eyes, played to fucking excellence by Lakeith Stanfield. Cobra, why don't you start us off about Stanfield's performance?
1: Yeah, I thought he was kind of magnanimous as soon as he enters, you know, uh, we get the scene at the beginning with the carjacking and... He really plays this role really well being a shifty kind of character throughout and hard to trust and pin down. And I don't think we also kind of get a sense of his motivations. Uh, You know, you kind of lose him in it a little bit and you're kind of unsure if he is actually, you know, too far into the, into the role, um, you know, playing this informant. And then I think him playing against Jesse Plemons works really well. Um, and I think I really like that, that, uh, pairing on screen.
2: Yeah. Like I thought his performance was super, was super good. Obviously his, um, just the way that the movie sort of builds and you, you can feel the conflict in him, um, as the movie builds and builds. And it's sort of just like you, you just also carry it as someone watching the film, um, and, and yeah, like his motive, and that's the thing, like you don't really know what his motive, like what his sort of mindset is fully, like it's sort of ambiguous. But I mean, you know, as, as we go along, it, it becomes a, like way more clear. And I thought that he did such a good job with that, just the way he handled sort of being sort of put in that position of being sort of the, the, the conflicting character in this. Fantastic job.
0: yeah i mean as the uh you know as the title entails it's judas and the black messiah i mean the whole duality is in the title i mean this story and the character stanfield plays you know has existed in literature and history for thousands of years you know and it's been played so many times but i felt stanfield did a really good job embodying a person who you know is struggling with the decision you know i think that scene where you know you know Jesse Plemons' character, you know, asks him, like, were you mad or were you sad when, like, Martin Luther King died and, you know, and Malcolm X died? You know, it kind of really kind of frames that he doesn't know how he feels about that and he's kind of only kind of looking into his own survival. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, From a daily, you know, just from, you know, from a day-to-day life. And, you know, he has no idea what he's doing with his own, his own life. And he has this encounter uh, with the FBI. And, like, all his mannerisms and his entire way of thinking, you know, juxtaposes Kaluuya's performance, which is what I fucking loved about it. And I think, like, his promise was definitely shown in Atlanta. John, did you see Atlanta? Coburn, I knew you saw Atlanta.
2: I haven't seen it yet, no.
0: So so anybody, first of all, who hasn't seen Atlanta, who's listening, go and fucking watch Atlanta. Because um it's just a really, really great series. And I think that's where you see L- Lakeith stanfield as you know a burgeoning character actor of like the highest level mm-hmm. and you know you know he gets into the character you know in interviews he talks about the lasting effects of like having this in your brain and the idea of like p- betraying your own people because your own shit's at stake but also like the you know the conflict he feels because like as he starts to get to know like you know um Uh, Fred Hampton he starts to see what he does for the community and how his people his people love him the people he works with directly and you know what I mean and how he's able to unite not just black people you know from different walks of life but also establishing the Rainbow Coalition and understanding that you know and showing you know the struggle through commonality across racial lines and he just kind of sees this and he starts to this is where the anxiety and the guilt and this whole thing starts twisting deeper and deeper in and like i just thought it was so good and i mean and i think get out his his role in get out also is kind of shows that subversive sketchiness because it's so like because it's so like unnerving his performance and weird and I think, like, he's going to become the guy to play these kind of roles where a strong, talented, you know, immersive character actor is needed. And you know what I mean? And have you, you know, seen
1: A uh, Sword to Bother You? Uh, Boots yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, he's, yeah. I thought his acting in that was, Uh, I, th- I think that's what for me, like, solidified him, where he just played such a, you know, kind of a straight man almost, but also he was silly and it was such a fantastical satir- satirical world. And he just really shone through, I think in that. And I think like, you know, that combined with Atlanta is where I was like, okay, this guy is like on a different
0: level and needs to be talked about a lot more. Yeah. I mean, the, gr- this is how you, this is what the greats do. This is what the, you know, the great actors you know do and um how they you know increase their notoriety and increase their legend and i think like if people if people are smart he should get even more casting in larger movie, you know in larger movies like he's done well he's moved forward but like i think a, a, an actor of his talent you know needs more opportunities like this to completely carry something and you know like you were saying in uh, coburn i i think he's just you know, I think he's one of the the most talented young actors out there right now. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what were his standout scenes? Like, what were some of the scenes with him that, you know, really kind of embodied, you know, what the film was and his contributions to it? Why don't you start us off, John?
2: The one scene that sticks out for me initially is when um he has to hotwire the car. Yeah, that's a great and they've, scene. And they've got him at gunpoint. That was the scene for me, at least, that I was like, yeah, this guy is, uh, yeah, this guy is fucking great. the scene's fantastic that was that was probably my maybe not necessarily my favorite scene but the one that sticks out for me sort of initially was that scene
1: I think for me the scene of Lakeith at the speech when Fred Hampton's giving the speech and you have Jesse Plemons character in the crowd I thought that was fantastic uh that one also when he is meeting the crowns who are like a stand-in for pretty much a, a bunch of different various Chicago gangs of the time Um, And he is recognized by some of the Crown's members and he kind of is being shifty and looking away, but also trying to be a physically intimidating presence there beside Fred Hampton. Um, I think those two scenes and then the the scene of the shootout at the Black Panther headquarters um, when he's just trying to kind of run for his life and he's realizing like how the great kind of danger that he's in playing this informant and not being completely safe and, also not wanting to leave
0: because he kind of wants to help these people but he's
1: you know kind of too lost
0: yeah i mean those scenes were incredible the shootout scene is is really 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 cool it's just a really kind of nice smaller set piece in a smaller uh you know in a in a lower but in a smaller budget film but like i think they just what they were what they were able to do with what they had especially for a period piece uh was ridiculous my my favorite was um When he's having dinner with all of them and having a drink with all of them um, just before the raid. And he just has this look on his face and he's just, you know, he's clearly bugging out. You see him, he looks physically ill, his face is sullen, and he can barely speak. And you know what I mean? And it's one of those situations where he's inside himself while all these things are happening. And, like, he's being weird. He knows what's happening. It's, like, dramatic irony at its best. And I I really kind of, you know, thought that kind of embodied what was going on and, what, what like, what was going on within him. And I thought, like, he did it so fucking well. And, um, like, this is an award-caliber performance, and you have to have an immersive attitude to do this. And so I thought it was really good. He never sells the audience short, and I think that takes a lot of talent. Yeah.
1: Also, the scene when he's in the car with them, and he's trying to explain how, how he got the car, I think, was
0: really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, his whole thing, like, because... I mean, the whole... Like, really, it's a guy who's living a lie constantly. You know what I mean? Who's just living, you know, a lie and, you know, the stress that takes, you know, toll that takes and, you know, trying not to be discovered and save his own ass and all this kind of stuff. It was just... It was really cool. Daniel Kaluuya, what are what are our thoughts? Cobra, why don't you start us off? So, I thought he, like, did a really great job and he was...
1: Like, there was some controversy over casting, like, a, a British actor for the role, but I think he owned... Every scene that he was in, he was able to really deliver and hit home some of the speeches that they pulled from, Uh, most notably the speech in, I guess it's like a a church or kind of a rec center. And I thought that was really, really powerful. I think the scene with Daniel Kaluuya at the church delivering the first speech, and then when he goes up to see the Young Patriots organization... And he walks into that room with such presence and such fierceness. And, you know, it's a room full of poor white people. And you can kind of really feel the tension in the air there. But he really manages to capture, like, how gravitational Fred Hampton was and how big and powerful the ideas were. I think the only thing that you is kind of lost is having Kalua play him. And I think Kalua, like, must be... What like in his early thirties, if not mid thirties? Yeah, I think Fred Hampton of, was
0: only like twenty one.
1: Yeah, you lose some of that because like Fred Hampton is is a twenty one year old kid, and I think having someone a bit closer to the age who could pull that roll off would be, I think, it would give you a bit more sense of like the gravity that you know you have a country, law enforcement agency assassinating a twenty one year old, and how insane that is, and how it was just normalized and you know even if like kind of covered up but a, a kind of an open secret that everybody knows
2: yeah actually now that you mention that i didn't even think about that that's a, that's a great point i like the mark for me of someone that pulls off sort of a, a character like this is that you can't recognize the actor that's playing them and i, I think for me you lose sight of the fact that it's that it's Daniel Kaluuya playing Hampton. The speech after he gets out of jail for the first time is—I is, I agree, Coburn. It's that—that that for me was the part that sort of sealed the deal on this being an Academy Award-winning performance for me. He's just—he just—he he just kills it in this part. You're just riveted every scene he's in. His presence is—is—is um, is, is big and and epic. And even though it's sort of taking place in this very sort of scaled down uh world as far as the view of the, as far as the viewpoint of the film but yeah man like he just he kills it in every scene that he's in this is a fantastic performance
0: yeah i thought that was an interesting idea there coburn just because like if you watch interview okay if you watch daniel kaluya's performance and then watch interviews with fred hampton fred hampton seems much younger obviously in real like in the real life interviews like he seems much more like a younger like a younger guy who but at the same time is just equally as you know aggressive and equally as determined and i thought given the casting i mean like i thought he well first of all i thought he did an amazing job and i think this is academy award level performance i think it's um he this is leading man type shit This is, you know, this is presence. This is, you know, magnetism, uh, charisma, determination. He's able to embody the person. And, you know, I just think that he's able to balance. Because, I mean, like with the Fred Hampton story in this, there's two sides to it. There is the, you know, the guy who is visibly out in the community and, you know, providing leadership. He's providing the roar. He's the lion, and then, you know, when he's you know, when he's with um is what is uh his wife's name? Is it Deborah Johnson is the name? Uh of her of Fred Hampton's wife? The Dominique Fishback plays her. The, oh, the the character? Or the Yeah, yeah, the character. Yeah, Deborah Johnson. Deborah Johnson, sorry. Okay. She uh changes her name uh later. That's correct. Yes, um so um yeah, so, I mean, like, and the parts where he's watching, you know, where, you know, he's with Deborah Johnson, she's pregnant, and, you know, he talks a lot about how he doesn't know if he's going to make it, and how, like, he could die at any time, and, you know, and how this makes her feel. It's it's different when they're saying it to a crowd. He's like, I'm willing to give my life for the revolution, but then it's like, you also have a child And he has to contemplate that, but it's like he has to be disciplined with that. And also just like after he gets out of prison, like in that, because if you look at one of his first speeches that you see, you know, there is he's vibrant, he's charismatic, you know, he's he's spreading hope and with vigilance. But when he gets out of prison and even says this himself, he is hardened. And, you know, he says that he has to get, you know, he had to harden in order to survive. And it's just the contrast in the performance and then obviously providing, you know, the, the juxtaposition to, you know, the like Keith Stanfield's character, Bill O'Neill. And just the way he was able to do all that was just absolutely incredible. What do you think of this role versus Get Out? Because, like, Get Out was really where, you know, he, he made his bones in terms of, like, being someone who can carry a film.
2: I think, there's a, I think there's a big difference as far as just playing a historical figure like this, though, and, and playing that character in Get Out. Um, it, he can do both. <laughs> he, can, he can do both. He can play uh, a, someone who's a seemingly larger-than-life historical figure and, um, and someone like the, guy that, the, the character that he plays in Get Out.
1: Yeah, I think it's always an interesting conversation that I have with you know, some friends over the merits of playing a real-life historical figure that you can kind of look back on somebody who was in the public and you can kind of study to play a role versus playing a made-up character that you have to bring life to and invent uh you know for for a specific role so i think in judas he does play fred hampton very compellingly and i think in get out you know he brings such a life and such a, a energy to this you know made-up fictional character in this horror movie with comedy elements to it so i think we've kind of seen a range of different things that Kahlua can do, you know, even his performance in black Panther or queen and slim, like he's given a case for him being a leading man in Hollywood going forward. So I hope that he is afforded the roles uh, that he deserves.
0: Yeah. I think this is a a clear example now where he can take something that's bigger. And I got to, I would I got to say that it's probably harder to play a historical figure especially like Fred Hampton too because one a lot of people don't know about Fred Hampton which can be good or bad depending on you know how you're looking at it but you know there has to be a pressure too into like trying to play someone and trying to you know represent a complex character who you know represented the a struggle you know of of a people at a time in America which really hasn't gone that that much better you know, where there's, like, you know, even more widespread violence, you know, from the police and from, you know, the state in general. And I think, you know, that's a responsibility. Uh, you mentioned Queen and Slim. He was great in that as well. Like, at this point, he should, like, he has more than proven that he can, you know, take the, you know, take the the reins and do it. And, you know, he has the presence and he has the talent. And I, it, it really, really would be good to see him you know actually get some fucking roles like this on an even bigger stage yeah absolutely i think
2: it's interesting how i don't think for for an actor it's necessarily the the process isn't different as far as you know playing a historical character or playing someone that you literally have to sort of start from scratch and 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 embody and sort of bring to life but it certainly seems like there's people have i guess more of a a pre like a just sort of a notion of what they might be like so i feel like it's definitely harder to appeal to everybody just because you know people are going to have their ideas of what they should have been like or how um it could have been different or or things that maybe they um you know they thought would be another way with with the part
0: and you get expectation
2: yes of course
0: i want to talk a little bit about the the supporting cast who i thought were fantastic. First of all, have either of you watched The Deuce?
1: No. Yes, I've seen The Deuce.
0: <laughs> okay, so Dominique Fishback um she played uh Deborah Johnson um the, the his girlfriend the mother of his child uh Fred Hampton that is. And um just in The Deuce, I mean she played one of the prostitutes, but she just like embodied in that this idea of hope even in this like dreary kind of existence that seems to have no you know no ways out and she just did it so well and at times she was just you know she went from you know the character was brilliant to adorable to sad and to 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 lonely and to and just hopeless and she you know the the complete gamut and it was really cool to see her in this and i i'm really glad she kind of she turned up in this because she was great like what do we think what do we think about her performance why don't you start us off, Coburn?
1: I thought, she, I thought she was great. I wish she had more to work with. I think some of the scenes with her, for me, felt a little bit flat. I don't think we got to see enough of like her vision. Because she was just a, as much of a part of the party as a, anybody else was in, in the film. So I think she kind of becomes this foil. And you get these scenes with her poetry. And I don't think they really uh, stood up to me. I think um, she was written... A little bit flat so I would like to see a little bit more of her star power because I think she deserved a little bit more screen time or a little bit sharper scenes
2: yeah like I thought she was um, obviously paired brilliantly with um, with Daniel Kaluuya as playing his wife and uh, I mean in particular the, the the scene that that I really sort of that stuck with me is quite simply just the last scene where where they have the shootout in the apartment and they just have that that shot on her face at the end where, where they just assassinate Hampton and, you know, I think not knowing enough historically about, about her involvement with the Panthers, at least that, at least for this film, at least for me, it was just, you just completely, you know, you're just sort of in that moment with her. And I thought that she did such a great job of sort of, at least in a part, feeling like she was more of the soul of the, of the film for me. And I just, yeah, just completely sympathize and empathize with everything that, that her character is going through in that moment. It just really stuck with me.
0: Yeah, I think that the note about her just having more to work with, like, I felt that she was great. I think she's a really talented actor. I, I, I think that, you know, she as well, she could cast in more stuff. And yeah, because I think what happens is, you know... You see her before they get together, and then when they get together, you know, she kind of loses a bit of that power. You know what I mean? And I mean, some people would argue, okay, yes. I mean, it would not... She was a powerful character, but, like, in terms of, like, she loses... She just becomes, you know, it becomes more about the child rather than her contributions to the party. But, you know, I mean, I know from, like, watching interviews with her and, like, reading, you know, things she's written that, you know for her the difficulty she was very much in the especially after he was um assassinated she very much was still in the limelight with it and you know it it just would have been good i think it would have upped the stakes in terms of like her role as trying to balance motherhood and being a revolutionary if the, the more of that had been kind of explored um other than that i think she was really great and i think that the scene that you're talking about John where you know where fred hampton's killed and it's just on her face and you hear the fbi you know the the police officers in the background and and the way they're talking and it's just on her face the entire time she's you know she doesn't say a word but like her ability to convey the emotion and the sorrow of that moment and just the savagery of that moment was you know i thought it was just so good and she she was perfect for it yeah I, I i think she did really really great um let's move to jesse plemons first of all can jesse plemons ever not be creepy at this point <laughs> nope Th-
1: that, yeah, i think he's, he, he's just got it down right like he yeah. he does it, he does it really well he's
0: got and creepy he's, white guy down like to a yeah,
2: typecasted it's that face it's those like just the way his cheeks and his eyes and his face just sort of rests
0: <laughs> he, he's just <laughs> somewhat un- unsettling yeah, it's because he says Lee looks like a psychotic child.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. And in <laughs>
0: and in fucking um, and in like Breaking Bad, like he was how creepy is he in Breaking Bad? <sighs> like, he, like he, he listen, he does great. It's just I'm just saying this motherfucker's creepy. Yeah. Uh, he was even creepy
2: in uh, what's that movie he made with with Bow Wow back in the day? Remember? He's it was in like a basketball Mike? movie. He's in like Mike. Yeah. Oh God, I gotta That's watch a, he's, it. Yeah. In <laughs> he's in fucking like Mike. Mike.
0: He's in like Mike that's right that is fucking hilarious i didn't i didn't really know that i don't even i didn't my brain didn't even register that at all i saw i feel like i saw like mike once yeah and then i was like i don't need to see this again (laughs) it was uh it was no near nowhere near as good as air bud no yeah i mean like the guy's fucking creepy but i thought in this he was great
1: though yeah yeah i think i think it's interesting because his character that he's playing have you seen the movie mississippi burning oh Oh, yeah. yeah So that, the, the, it's the same FBI agent. So the F, FBI agent literally went from doing the Mississippi Burning case, which they talk about in the beginning of this film, to getting uh, Fred Hampton assassinated. So I think, you know, you could watch Mississippi Burning as a prequel to this. So hold on a second
0: here. Is he's Gene Hackman, right?
1: Yes. He's the same, the same uh, FBI agent as Gene. Yo,
0: Hackman. I love the difference in storytelling. It's like in fucking, in Mississippi Burning, it tries to make, I mean, it doesn't make him look like, I mean, obviously, Willem Dafoe is a far, far more progressive a character in yes. terms of like his opinions, but he's still like, fuck these backwoods, shit ass rednecks <laughs> and shit. You know what I mean? And like he's a badass in that movie. And like he's literally. a badass in that movie. And you're like, oh, he's on the right team. And then it comes to this and you're like, oh, yeah, he's creepy and trying to kill Fred Hampton. Uh, That's fucking a contrast. Um,
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting to kind of have that character there, because at some point you're kind of almost sympathizing with uh you know the character and you're wondering about his motivations and then he kind of has this meeting with Director Hoover and he's like well would you let your daughter marry negro and he kind of you know flips a switch and then he forces uh LaKeith Stanfield into like a even worse position and then yes. you realize that they're playing you know this other FBI informant um and that they're setting up the Black Panthers through the through this guy and and they've you know knowingly watch him disappear or murder somebody else in in new york or or new jersey or whatever and then they're coming to chicago so it's like you really get this sense of i think you almost kind of like start to ease into jesse Plemons' character and then he flips a switch and i think that is really uh some fine acting from him
0: i think it's because when you start getting because you start seeing the levels. Of, like, institutionalization, you know, in the FBI. Whereas Jesse Plemons legitimately believes that, you know, these people are violent. And, you know, it's doing... Because he's brainwashed to think that. And also, like, this is what a fucking America in general is brainwashed to think at the time. But then the FBI becomes a little bit more partisan, a little bit more fervor. But then as you you know, as you start to realize that he doesn't necessarily, you know, he's not willing, he's looking to put this guy in jail, he's looking to do that kind of thing, right? And he doesn't get what Hoover is really talking about here, and what the goal is, is to, you know, eliminate these individuals. And, you know, you saw that throughout the entire 60s and 70s and fucking 80s. Um, COINTELPRO, you know, wreaked havoc on the civil rights movement. Even, fucking you know the even Martin Luther King you know what i mean and uh the non and, and you know the you know the the staunchly nonviolent part um which i mean i think it takes us really good we can kind of combine the martin sheen situation here as well uh first of all i want to ask what martin sheen keep him, keeping in mind he played general lee in gettysburg is this martin sheen's most racist role <laughs> it has got to be up there and i think they intentionally cast him
1: you know from the west wing in this role in this kind of like same authority figure and that you kind of know and love. And then he, you know, is this evil person. And that's interesting. Cause I think even, you know, having this movie come out, like there's now a, a bill to kind of get, um, Jay Eggers name removed from the FBI building, which is, I think kind of interesting. Um, and I think don't, I don't think that would have happened without this movie, uh, bringing it up again. Yeah. No,
0: I, yeah, no, absolutely not. I completely um, agree.
2: But, yeah, like, I, I didn't even know he was in the movie, like I said before. So, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by that just because I, I'm a big fan of Marty Sheen. But, um, yeah, that one scene where he asks him if his daughter will... What's going to happen if she brings home a black man is just... It caught me kind of so off guard just because it was just sort of laid bare in that scene. And it's kind of one of those scenes where you're just like, okay, well, there it is. You know? And, um, yeah, I mean, he's... I think he plays a terrific J. Edgar Hoover, knowing everything that we now know about him, at least. So, yeah. Well,
0: he's got the venom, right? Like that's it's the that big nose thing. too. I think that yeah, nose also great, helps. great fucking nose. Yeah, uh, and he looks less ridiculous than Leonardo DiCaprio and fucking Jagger. Yeah, very much less. So, like, yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because, uh, he's like very he has a very folksy grandpa. Vibe in a lot of movies, like even fucking Gettysburg, it's like General Lee's like ah he's well respected and like that, and I'm like yeah he fucking has a plantation for fuck's sakes yeah. um, so like I thought with you know like and even the West Wing he's like everything is like little grandpa y and you know kind of you know but with this he was uh, nasty and you know that scene where he's asking he's like what would you do if your daughter brought home a black person you know what I mean like I, that's one of the, I think one of the most like intense scenes in the whole thing. Because it's really showing the level of fanaticism that exists and the vitriol towards black people and just like, especially towards the person who, you know, ushered in the FBI in the first place and controlled it for the better part of 30 years. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to, you know, switch gears a little bit here and uh, take talk about director Shaka King and, um, you know, what we feel about the room, st- you know, about the film stylistically. I, you know, th- I felt that coming, this is difficult coming into it because, you know, he's a black director. He's telling a very important film. And it's funny because I was, t- you know, I felt that, you know, like in the, in the Reddit spaces, in the Twitter spaces, people were trying to act like you can never get a proper movie about Fred Hampton through a studio just because of, you know, political ideas like recuperation and all this kind of stuff. And I felt, you know, there was probably a lot of pressure on Shaka King to do it, but... I think, you know, for, of, of the first bigger studio movie he's done, I mean, he's done features before and tried to sell them, but this, I thought this was really good stuff. Yeah. This
2: one was, was great. Um, I, I love, um, the things I, that, that I love about this. I love the way it's shot. I love the cinematography, the big, um, super widescreen stuff looks fantastic. The music selection was also really, really well done the performances he was able to get out of his actors was super well done and this is the kind of film or at least the kind of subject matter where you could probably see more films being made about this particular thing maybe on sort of a different scale or something like that because there's been you know tons of films um that have sort of had other films sort of built on what they're about and just have either taken it in a different direction, made it about something different, but I really liked how this was kind of more of a, it was sort of a very sort of smaller movie. I, 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 and I think I said that before, just as far as like, they could have made this something a lot bigger and they chose and he chose to kind of focus it a little bit more narrowly on, on the relationship between these two guys. And yeah, this is going to be the springboard I feel like to, to, a lot of other stuff I'm sure he's getting ready to do because uh this was a really, really good film.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing I've ever seen from Shaka King well I've seen high maintenance and I and I watched uh Shrill. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed Shrill. I didn't think it, that much of the directing, but now I think I'll go back to it with a little bit more critical eye. But I thought he did fantastic in um this and I think it's a really great, you know, major studio debut. I think having, you know, Ryan Kugler there producing um, they just got a really great team together to produce and and build this movie, and I wish it got a proper theatrical release. Cause, it, like, as much as I enjoy having these movies, you know, here for us in this you know unprecedented time, but I would love for some of these things to be seen in theaters the the way that they were intended.
0: This would look great on the this would look great on the big screen. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen it. And I, you mentioned Ryan Coogler. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Ryan Coogler is the perfect person to kind of help usher him into the business and, you know, provide... Because he's been there. I mean, you know, Ryan Coogler started with fucking Fruitvale Station. You know what I mean? And he, like, he kind of made his bones off that and then made an awesome fucking movie in Creed. Incredible fucking movie in uh, Black Panther. And, you know, he's talented. He's talented as fuck. You know, like, we're going to get... You know, and his ability to kind of bring us another really talented director who can, you know, like, I mean, I would really love to see at him even more as, you know, his chops progress and he works with bigger budgets too. Because, like, what they were able to do with this was really good. And, I like, it wasn't, exp- I think this was, like, 38000000 million? I'm yeah. trying to remember the fucking budget on this. Like, it wasn't, pe- feel free to correct me public it wasn't a you know this wasn't a high budget film and just they were able to use every dollar i feel and for a 26 period, 26 million 26 wow. million sorry and like this it's a band it's a period piece that's another thing too period pieces are way more expensive yeah. and just like what he was able to do with it was fantastic and i think what we've seen is you know a new talent arrive on the scene and and also i mean it was written by the lucas brothers uh who i believe gets story credit on this
1: yeah they i think they've been they were shopping this story around with uh Will Benson for yeah. a number of years so initially uh
0: William F or Gary F Gray was uh s- attached to this yeah they, i remember them talking about it on uh on Larry Wilmore's podcast and uh fucking shadow larry wilmore who's just a g um You know, like, they were talking about the process and how frustrating it was. Um, And, you know, just like, it's, like, shopping a film in Hollywood isn't easy. Um, So, I mean, they were able to kind of get this over the line, you know, and, um, you know, really attach it to a really great team that was able to put it together. And I think the way they had kind of, you know, decided to have the two characters play off one another was really, really good. People, a number of people have tried to do a Fred Hampton uh, biopic. It's you know, there's a few directors I know that I'm pretty sure fucking John Singleton had tried to do one as well, or at least produce one. There's a number of filmmakers who were attached to doing them, and uh, it, the the way this kind of came together is fantastic, and good on them for doing that. I think they're talented. I think we're gonna get more from them. I think just overall, it was just a really, really great film that kind of like everyone involved should be taken a step up from where they are based on it because uh, this wasn't an easy film to make. It didn't have a big budget, but you know, it just the, 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 comp- the composition of the shots was fantastic. You know, when, um, you know, when he's got the explosives in the car and he's like saying, Hey, we got to blow up this yeah precinct or whatever they get in the argument and Fred Hampton leaves. And it does this whole like crane shot where it, like twists around into Stanfield going into the car and I'm just like you know what this is so nicely done yeah like it's rugged at times but it's also it's like super well composed and I just you know I was really happy that this turned out this way because like I was super excited about it and the only thing is yeah I just kind of wish this was you know we could have seen this on a bigger screen rather than the tv set and or if you watched it on fucking apple you had to watch it on your fucking laptop uh <laughs> because your tv doesn't airdrop to this <laughs> shit
2: oh god
1: H- uh how do we think this is going to do an award season i think it's going to
2: be i think it's going to be up there
0: this should be i mean the nomination uh, i would assume that daniel Kalua or Lakeith Stanfield, or both, are going to be nominated. Daniel Kaluuya for sure, for because best of, and for best for best actor, actor. And,
1: and Stanfield for supporting, or do you think uh, or it will be reversed? I think it'll be reversed. Actually, it oh, could yeah, be yeah, reversed, reverse, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think reverse or or maybe a double star. Like it depends. They share enough screen time to uh, yeah. for both starring roles. So you know, as, do you as think I said,
1: best picture noms too, or
0: yeah, it's going to be for best picture. I think yeah. too yeah like there's uh, I'm trying to think of the films that can really compete against it to be honest with you, yeah. Well, I think a, you're good. Gonna... It's
2: a 2021 film, though, right? So it'll be for we're talking next February.
0: No, it's gonna. I think that's gonna be. in It's not gonna be. In, pr- I'm pretty sure it's gonna be in this one. Oh well, well what's the? It's up to what? January? It's something. It's up to like February first, I think. The cutoff. Okay. I'm not. I don't quote me on it though. I, we gotta. We gotta look that. But I'm pretty sure it's around for this award season because I think the 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 other big one is going to be trial uh, Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah. Um. Because I think Sasha Baron Cohen is going to get some love from that. Another great character actor of today. I feel like the Peter Sellers and, of and today, to be honest with you. Fred
1: Hampton appears in that movie too. Yes, he does appear in that movie. That's yep.
0: correct. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's interesting. I, I feel like this is going to be, you know, the a little bit of a period picture kind of Oscars. So I mean, we'll see how that pans out. I really don't think there was many movies that were better than those two, to be honest with you if any yeah. so i mean yeah. we'll i guess see yeah, how we'll it get the, the
1: nominations by the time that this uh, episode airs we'll have the nominations out
0: because they come uh, next monday oh right oh this actually i we're actually but i believe gonna drop this just before we're gonna drop this on a uh, thursday i think or should we do but well, now i'm thinking out loud should we drop this in time for the oscars <laughs> sure uh yeah nominations come out monday the 15th so whatever okay um so yeah guys, I mean on I, I think we can all agree that this was a fucking fantastic movie. And um it's also a film that I like I I
2: now want to look into all all this historical s- stuff involved with this way more just because like I said, kind of going into it a little bit blind I think was a great introduction to all of this and and just makes me want to eat up all of this this information as well. So the film succeeds in that regard as well. So
0: Okay, so, like, the Lucas Brothers in that interview with Larry Wilmore were, I mean, one of their big concerns was that, you know, they would create a movie that people just, you know, they think they understand the history from just watching the movie. Especially, you know, white people. And I think it's cool that it inspired the want to go learn more about this. Because, listen, it's a tragic story. This shit is fucking interesting and important simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So, like, I really think, and it's something that people don't fucking know about. No. It's people that don't, people don't understand in terms of, and especially with this being so like localized um, just in Chicago, you know, with the Chicago PD and all that kind of stuff. I think that, you know, it, it kind of gets lost in, in the shuffle kind of.
1: Yeah, I think I would agree. And I think to bring this to life, like, you know, as the kind of conjecture around the movie was that like, we wouldn't see a Fred Hampton movie done properly or whatever. I think even bringing this to life, is going to be an entry point for a lot of people to you know go deeper into this and i think we'll see some more movies uh around huey p newton um and other yeah, members of the, of the black panther party after after this one yeah
0: yeah i definitely think it's gonna kind of because i i think it's so shocking but you know especially for people who didn't know about it that you know what i mean i think that it will inspire people to kind of you know at least you know dig into it and, and and learn more about that history on that note guys uh you know, thanks so much for doing this wait and, where uh, where are
1: we at with with the with the cog ratings?
0: yo, are we gonna do a cog rating for this movie? What would you okay let's do this John, what are you giving this movie out of what ten out of ten I'm giving it a solid eight I'm giving it a nine. I love this movie
2: I think the only thing that maybe would have pushed it over a bit more would have been the budget, and that's not something that that's not a knock on anybody or 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 knock on the filmmaking. They stretch that money, and every bit of it is on screen. I just yeah. feel I just feel like if they were given a bit more to play with, that may have just from a visual standpoint pushed it a little further for me. But uh, storytelling-wise, it's it's there.
1: Yeah, I think I'm gonna come in at an eight point five. I thought this was a fantastic movie, and I'm looking forward to more from Shaka King. I also like that they included Little Ray Henry at the at the end, or Howery at the end, and gave us a little bit of a Get Out
0: uh, kind
1: of nod there.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, On that note, guys, uh, we gotta get going. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, and um, we'll talk again soon. See you later. If you liked what you heard, rate and subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow The Mind Refinery on social media.